One of the most interesting ways to gauge the effectiveness of a defense is to see how successful they are against bad offenses. The logic is simple, of course. A good defense should be able to shut down a bad offense. Because this is Kansas week, and they've been the worst Power 5 program in the country the last decade, I thought it would be the perfect time to look back at how past OU defenses have fared against Kansas offenses. It's no surprise, but Oklahoma has utterly dominated Kansas football in the last two decades. They're 14-0 against the Jayhawks since 2000, with every game decided by double digits and a not insignificant amount of them decided by 30 points or more. In the 2000s, Bob Stoops' teams were 6-0 against Kansas, like you might expect. They gave up an average of 13.8 points per game, 291.5 yards per game, and 4.3 yards per play total. Those are pretty dominating numbers during a dominant decade for the Crimson and Cream where they were always predicated on playing suffocating defense. But once we get into the 2010s, we see unprecedented dominance. From 2011 to 2017, OU was 7-0 against Kansas, giving up 9 points per game, only 200 yards per game, and an insanely dominant 3.1 yards per play. Even the 2016 and 2017 defenses, two units that really struggled over the course of the year, held Kansas to 2.6 and 2.5 yards per play, respectively. So, going into their 2018 matchup with the Jayhawks, conventional wisdom suggests that OU's defense would find some success against Kansas. After all, the 2018 Jayhawks finished 114th out of 130 teams in S&P Plus offense. Only Cal and Rutgers were worse in the Power Five. Well, we got something totally different instead. Kansas ran 64 plays for 524 yards at 8.2 yards per clip, scoring 40 points in Norman and averaging 9.7 yards every time they handed the ball off. It's not talked about extensively, but last year against Kansas was arguably one of the worst defensive performances in program history, adjusting for the quality of the opponent, of course. Simply put, OU's defense was embarrassed by Kansas last season. Every year, Kansas Week is presented as a focus challenge for OU's players. How will they be motivated to come out and perform well against an opponent they're so much better than? Well, all they should need to do this year is turn on the tape from last year's KU game. If that doesn't produce the proper motivation for this defense to come out with their hair on fire on Saturday, I'm not sure anything will. This is about pride and imposing your will on an inferior opponent. Teams that are striving to win a national championship should dominate Kansas's offense. Period. Let's see if they're up for the challenge. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. He did, and it's touchdown. It's Calcaterra, right on cue. Great call, partner. We go back in time a little more than a year ago as Grant Calcaterra welcomes us into the latest edition of West of Everest. His 11-yard touchdown grab capped off the Sooners scoring in their 55-40 win over Kansas last November. Sure, the touchdown didn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but I wanted to give Calcaterra a little love because he's been mostly quiet so far in 2019. Just four catches for 60 yards and zero touchdowns this year. It's worth pointing out, though, that Calcaterra didn't catch his first touchdown until game five of last season. So perhaps this Saturday, the talented tight end will break out. 
Hey, everybody, I am Lee Benson. You heard Grant at the top of the show with his opening take today. I'll bring him back in a moment, but first, I've got to thank you listeners out there. You all are pretty incredible. I made a brief comment last podcast about how we've been getting some negative reviews lately and ratings, and then boom, within a day, six brand new five-star reviews came into iTunes. So thank you all to the listeners who took the time to leave us a message. It means a whole hell of a lot to Grant and I, especially now that Grant has accepted that bad guy role. He's embraced it in the show. So we talked about that a little bit as well last week. Just know that those of you out there who write us saying that this is your favorite Oklahoma football podcast, it's a pretty special thing to Grant and I. We've been talking about Oklahoma football privately for most of our lives, so Uh, A lot of you out there listening to the show are probably the same with your friends and your family. So the fact that you all kind of jump in here and you or you somewhat care what we have to say, we think that's pretty awesome. Okay, that's over. So let's move on to Kansas week. The Sooners on the road in Lawrence. Another 11 a.m. kickoff this Saturday. And as of this recording, it's looking like weather might factor in. I'm going to have to double-check this as we uh, keep recording this podcast. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, thunderstorms likely in the morning. Chance of rain, 80%. Hope that changes since I'm going to be there in Lawrence for the game. And as I bring back in Grant, I'm going to throw this one out there to you, Grant. Usually we all kind of look past this Kansas game, but is it just me or is this year's OUKU game actually a little more interesting than the past couple of years? Oh, I think it may. It probably always feels like that in the moment, right? Like, I mean, it's here, it's now. It feels a little bigger, but I don't know. You might, you, you may have something to that. I don't know if if that is actually the case. Why do you like? What do you think explains that? The defense, so, probably. Well, the defense and a big reason why you talked about it a little bit in your opening take is last year's game. And you think back, think back to twenty seventeen. Oklahoma was rolling with Baker Mayfield, and the game was in November, and it was kind of like, whatever, Oklahoma was really good, this is going to be a blowout. The weather was really terrible in Lawrence, it was super windy, and they kind of just ho-hum through it, then all the crotch grab thing happened, and so like, after the game was way more interesting than kind of leading up to that OUKU game, because we just kind of knew it was going to be a blowout, and I mean, we can expect this one to be a blowout too, but I just, I feel like leading up to the game, it was kind of like, whatever, last year's game was also a late season game and we didn't really know what we we're going to get. You mentioned in your opening take that Oklahoma seemingly always dominated Kansas even with a bad defense. And then you get Kansas putting up 40 and Puka Williams running wild and and Khalil Herbert having a good game as well. And so it leads to this year's game where you have last year's game in the rear view and the motivation level for a team like Oklahoma going into a, a game against a team like Kansas who is pretty as bad it should be a little bit more of a motivation, I think, to, you know, with the brand new defense, with how it went last year. And I talked about it a little bit in the last podcast. I'm, ex- I'm interested to see how this defense comes out and how they look and if they're prepared for what Kansas has, which is not a whole lot on offense. So that's kind of what I mean by this, this matchup is a little more interesting. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is an easy letdown spot, you know, coming off a home game where you looked nice. Texas is next week. You know, it'd be pretty easy for them just to kind of mail it in, and so that's what you're looking for. You're you're looking for them not to do that, because that's the mark of a great team. And um, this Kansas team, I mean, and we'll, we'll we'll get into it more, but this is a Kansas team that has, at times this season, shown a little, maybe a little bit more on offense than they have in the past. Although that also could be an outlier because they've been pretty terrible at times as well, too. 
All right, let's get into the news and notes of the week. We always like to do that to start these game preview podcasts, just kind of a recap of what we've learned through all the OU media availabilities leading up to when we record this on Wednesday night. So I was at the presser on Monday, as I usually am, and I went to the defensive availability Monday night. So I heard some some interesting things. Here's why I kind of pulled out of what's interesting, what's not. Jalen Hurts, Grant. Not sure if you heard any of his press conference on Monday. I suppose I could have pulled a clip, but I didn't, didn't have time. But uh, his voice was a little hoarse, a little under the weather on Monday. He said, though, that he'll be fine for Saturday. Lincoln Riley was asked about uh, communication and what happens if Jalen Hurts, his voice is also bad again, maybe Saturday. And Riley said that they do have a contingency plan in place for communication if Hurts' voice isn't that great Saturday. Riley's saying they've got a plan to operate if Jalen can't talk. So, Jalen Hurts, a bit under the weather on Monday. Hopefully by Saturday he'll be healthy. Do you have anything on this? No, I, I found out about this just, <laughs> no. just today. I'm, I'm sure oh, really? he's fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. I. Yeah, I think he's fine too because almost immediately after his press conference began when he mentioned that, yeah, hey, bear with me, I'm, I'm a little under the weather – he was asked about rat poison or a rat poison type question, and Hertz had no problem making a very dry Jalen Hertz-like joke about rat poison. So I think he'll be fine. Other news and notes, offensive side of the football. Adrian Ely, we all know he didn't play against Texas Tech. He was in street clothes in that game, and the update on him is that he's day-to-day. He's week-to-week, according to Lincoln Riley. Riley's saying that it's a possibility that he'll play this week, but it's not a certainty. Grant, I'm going to guess that we don't see Adrian Ely this week, especially considering Oklahoma did pretty well without him last week. And with Texas on deck, I don't know what his injury is, but uh, I can't imagine he'll play this week. Do you agree? Yeah, probably. I don't know if I'm I'm, I might I may be ready to go full conspiracy on this one. Do you think Adrian Ely is actually hurt? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why he wouldn't be. I mean, is there any evidence in the past of. Well, hold on. I guess let's think back to last year. Wasn't there some random injuries before Texas last year that we didn't kind of know about, didn't expect, but then all the guys were ready for Texas? Yeah, I thought Kenneth Mann was hurt, wasn't he? Or was he hurt before that? I mean, also, too, it was either a week or two after that Army game where the defensive players, a lot of them played like 100 snaps. So it made sense that a lot of those guys were banged up and had potential injuries. So, you know, a big part of – Oklahoma this year has been not a whole lot of snaps from these guys. People staying fresh. So, I, no, I'm not going to go full conspiracy theory on this one. I'll take uh, Lincoln Riley's word for not it. Not going to bite, huh? I don't know. No, but I, I do expect him to be – I expect him to be back for Texas unless something crazy happens. That's just my opinion. I have no inside information, but, I, you know, Riley does not seem like he's too worried about it. He said it wasn't a long-term thing after the Texas Tech game, and he said it wasn't long-term on Monday either. More offensive line talk, just to throw it out there. Positive grades from the offensive line. Bray Walker getting that that first college start. Riley said he handled it pretty well. He said he, he liked the way that Bray Walker played. He also praised Eric Swinson, said that Swinson played one of his better games. And uh, also Tyrese Robinson, you know, they kicked him over to right tackle in, uh, in the, the stead of Adrian Ely, and they were excited to see Tyrese Robinson play right tackle on such short notice, and it, it sounded like they were happy with the way he played. So... The offensive line grading out pretty well after that one. 
That's all the news and notes I have really offensively, Grant. Do you have anything else you'd like to add or anything that you've learned over the last couple of days? Did you mention that Miguel Edwards is transferring? I did not mention that. Well, uh, well, he's in the por- well, he's in the story. portal, so I guess it's not like official that he's transferring yet. But he's he has entered the portal. Okay, who reported that? Uh, Jason Kersey, I believe. Okay, so Kersey's on that from the Athletic. All right, no, I hadn't I hadn't seen that yet. So that's interesting. We haven't seen him as one of the rotational guys at all. Uh, you know, the, at cornerback, it's mainly just been. Well, the big three now that Jaden Davis is there, Jordan Parker was there at the start of the year, but his reps have been cut back, and that's kind of it, right? I mean, I can't recall. I'm sure Miguel Edwards might have came in for a few snaps against South Dakota, but uh, I haven't. Yeah, I and, don't remember him at all outside of maybe probably that game. Yeah, and Kersey tweeted it three hours ago. Sooners redshirt freshman quarterback cornerback Miguel Edwards has entered the transfer portal. He has appeared in four games, only one this season, over the last two years with five tackles. All right, and he was a guy that we were kind of impressed with in the, in the springtime, and he's kind of got a little bit of motor to him, and you know maybe he's a player that and he's certainly a little bit undersized. You know maybe he's a guy that can catch on and, and get some meaningful snaps somewhere else, just not at Oklahoma. We'll see. All right, so credit to Jason for that story. Did not know that, so here we go. It's been a long day. Let's see what else. Uh, I asked Lincoln Riley about Ian McIver and just his development and and to the point where he's playing meaningful snaps. And it's basically kind of what we thought. He said he's really impressed. Uh, Jalen Hurts said he's also really impressed with Ian McIver. So he's a critical member of the team. Because if you think back, Jalen Hurts, I'm sure, had a lot of reps with Ian McIver in the springtime when Creed Humphrey was out and McIver was the walk-on, one of the guys getting reps at center. So I'm sure their relationship kind of goes back to when Hurts got here. So I'm sure that helped McIver's development. And Riley said that, hey, thinking back to spring, we didn't even anticipate a situation where he'd be playing, and now they have no hesitation. The, he goes in there, the guys have no problem with him playing, and and he's building some very valuable depth there. So a lot of positive words about Ian McIver there. So we talked about it a little bit last podcast. I wanted to ask Lincoln about that, and uh, it's it sounds like it's about what we thought, and it's good to hear that um, he's a player that has developed quite a bit and has grown from a guy they didn't even anticipate ever putting in a game in the spring to now where they're putting him in with the ones and getting meaningful snaps to build depth here early on in the season. That's pretty cool. All right, so let's go to our new segment that I just decided on this week as I was pulling sound bites from everyone's favorite defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. And we're going to need to work on this name, Grant, but it's called Stuff Alex Grinch Says That Make Us All Very Happy. How do you like that that name of a segment? Just creative genius right there we should probably come up with some sort of theme song for it right yes i'll let you work on that in the spare time sure i'll have it i'm right on it yeah yeah just make sure that you don't use anything that we'll have to pay for make sure it's all royalty free oh no i'm gonna i'm gonna like i'm gonna produce it myself (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be really good just just you wait okay all right so the first soundbite in stuff Alex Grinch says that makes us all very happy is Alex Grinch from Monday night when he was asked about some of the big chunk plays and there wasn't very many of them that Texas Tech got against Oklahoma but there was you know the one where DTY chased him down that was an explosive play uh let's see there was like one decent pass play up the seam that I can recall there might have been two of those so Alex Grinch was just kind of asked about those chunk plays and kind of what went wrong and how they can focus on obviously not giving up more of them moving forward and here is what Alex Grinch had to say 
We still have in us a little bit of a willingness to say, uh, my bad. And that, 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 that's something that we got to get out of uh, our, our, our core, our being, is, is saying it's okay if I'm, I know I'm supposed to be there. Um, I, I, I gave good effort, uh, but oh shucks, I didn't make it, you know. And so, and that's at every level of our defense. And so, uh, or, and it's not okay to be blocked, you know. That, that's that's another thing that kind of reared its head, is saying, okay, well if I get blocked, maybe, maybe someone else will make the play. And um, so, in any event, the uh, um, that, that comes back to coaching. We got to make sure that uh, one, it's demanded, and then number two, that we're teaching that they got confidence, uh, uh, not not most of the time, but but all the time in terms of where they need to be. So, Grant, if you're playing defense for Alex Grinch, you better not get blocked, man. It's not okay to get blocked. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, I've never, I've never heard a coach say that that black and white, even back playing. That not again. We always qualify it very low level compared to Oklahoma football. But any high school coach, any low level football coach, I've never heard of them say, "Hey, you can't get blocked." I mean, I, you obviously hear about you got to shed blocks, get off blocks. You can't you know, get uh, connected with somebody. I mean, you got to get off blocks, but not just, yeah, you can't be blocked. So uh, that is uh, one thing Alex Grinch said that makes us all very happy. And also the first part of that grant where I think it's kind of interesting, you know, it's we all as humans kind of just all the time we'll say like, you know, something small. Like, oh, my bad. Sorry about that. But that's kind of not acceptable to him. It's like, no, I mean, yeah, it's your bad, but why was it your bad? Why didn't you make the play? Why? What happened? And Alex Grinch saying that's something that we've got to get out of our core. I mean, there's no my bad. There's do your job and make the play. And there's not oh our you know my efforts not there. Uh, maybe somebody else make the play. No, no, you make the play. And when you get eleven guys with that mentality, you're going to get eleven guys going to the ball and thinking that I got to make this play. And then what you're going to have what's going to happen is I'm sure his mindset is that you're going to have multiple people making a play and you'll get people to the ball and you'll be able to bring people down to the ground and also be able to hold people up and enforce turnovers and get the ball out and so I found that to be another part of Alex Grinch's soundbite that made me very happy he just he hammers the the mental aspect of the game over and over again doesn't he and sure does I, I really like that that's awesome and you do hear all the time defense is a mentality a lot of it is culture um there's been a ton of defenses in the past years that, you know, I've had some really good players on it and the defense have st st stunk. It's been bad. You know, there's, uh, you, you got to have that bulldog mentality and that's what Alex Wrench is trying to do. It's pretty sweet. It's awesome. It, it's nice to see that again um, because it, it feels like when, whenever he's talking, everything is just so, is so refreshing. And you know why it's refreshing? It's because, again, a qualifier, the teams that Oklahoma has played have not been great but there have been results I mean whatever he's been saying and and preaching for the last uh geez nine months roughly I mean, we're seeing it come to fruition on the field it's not just talk we're seeing action and we're seeing Oklahoma's defense look measurably better and and giving up fewer yards per play fewer points things like that so that's I think why it's very refreshing is because it's not just a bunch of hot air all right during the summertime you made a joke about this a while back, and it's true. I mean, this was kind of like the Jalen Redmond podcast. We touched on Jalen Redmond a ton because we were super excited about him. And, and again, to beat a dead horse, I was dead wrong about Jalen Redmond. I thought he might not play another snap. And then I learned more about the blood clots and everything and his health. And fast forward now, we're four games into the year, and Jalen Redmond is, is one of Oklahoma's best defensive linemen, and he's playing inside. 
and he looks really good. And so let's give an update on Jalen Redmond. Alex Grinch was asked about him, and I didn't pull this sound, but I'll tell you what Grinch said. And Grinch was <laughs> Grinch said that he looks at Jalen Redmond and he says his expectations are just not realistic because he'll play really well against UCLA. Then in the next game, Grinch said that he wants Redmond to have like seven sacks and 10 TFLs, <laughs> which is obviously ridiculous. And so Grinch was saying that he's done a really good job and he gives a lot of credit to Jalen. He gives a lot of credit to Calvin Thibodeau, a defensive line coach. And Grinch said that he, he just you haven't seen his best football yet, which is which is what you'd expect him to say. And so I'll say all of that to lead into the next thing that Alex Grinch says that makes us all very happy. It's Alex Grinch on creating more tackles for loss. We talked about disruption. We went, we you know we we left that game with five TFLs. And I'm not okay with that, and I don't think they're okay with that, which is good. So it's not like you're convincing the kid that, that somehow that's uh, acceptable. You know, the, we need to make more plays in the, the offensive backfield. We find ourselves there more than five times. We got to find a way to make those plays. Um, and, and I think there, there's that, that element to expectation. You know, expect to make the play and be, have an unwillingness to uh, one be blocked and. and Two, to be on, if, if at, the, at the, the end of the down when that whistle blows and you find yourself in the line of scrimmage, you can't be okay with that. As a defensive lineman, linebacker, anybody in our front seven, and sometimes even including the safety. And so that's that's the thing we're going to see more on film. And obviously Jalen Redmond falls in that category of one of those players that is more than capable of getting more tackles for loss. And that's how I, that's why I wanted to set it up with Jalen Redmond, Grant. So floor's yours. You heard more from Alex Grinch there about the willingness to, to not be blocked and and that's how, uh, you know, you heard him there. That's how he wants to get more TFLs. I also want more TFLs. I don't really know what to say. It's like, yeah. I. <laughs> um, well, how about this? How about the last part of it? Do you find, like, the standard is so high because he sets the standard for it's, it's incredibly unrealistic, which kind of goes with part of his, his Jalen Redmond stuff about how, yeah, I, it's unrealistic. There's ob- he's obviously not going to get seven sacks and ten TFLs. The end of that soundbite you just heard, where he says when the whistle blows and if you find yourself at the line of scrimmage, you can't be okay with that. I mean, Coach Grinch, uh, the team's probably going to more often than not get at least a yard. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, that's his standard, though. It's, it's a like, mentality. If you're at, yeah. Right, exactly. And even if you're somebody like the safety, who your job is to, for the most part, play coverage, play the pass. I mean, that is – the bar is so darn high. It's incredible, and he's just he's banging it into the guys. Yeah, and then I think coming. I, I think the next step is too is, is is just is completing a lot of those tackles behind the line of scrimmage. You saw in the last game, just just to throw out an example, the play that you know the the play from Buki that was you know that was the amazing play that wasn't because of because of the face mask, you know stuff like that. We you, you gotta you gotta complete those plays. And, um, you know, maybe there's something to that about how you have to learn how to make those plays on a consistent basis, and uh, that's where OU needs to improve, and they're just not quite there yet. Grinch said that he doesn't set a, a number for tackles for loss they want per game, uh, but he did say that, you know, you want to be up in the double digits for every single game. Also, more from Alice Grinch. I don't have the sound on this, but uh, Parnell Motley. We've been praising him a lot so far this year. Grinch talked about how the film suggests he is playing at a high level, uh, and he credited that Parnell's commitment to technique. He also gave credit to, to Roy Manning quite a bit, and 
Grinch said that there's a unique challenge in practice going up against the players that Oklahoma's defensive backs go up against every single day. And Grinch mentioned that you see in practice on one-on-ones, you see Parnell Motley going up against a guy like, mm, I don't know, C.D. Lamb. And it's only C.D. Lamb. And Grant, Parnell Motley has played so well in coverage and, and he's been shutting down the opposing receivers, whoever gets thrown to his side. And, you know, it makes a whole lot of sense when you factor in one, the – the, the emphasis on better technique that Roy Manning and Alex Grinch has clearly brought into this team, the emphasis on playing aggressive, getting hands on the receiver, bringing the fight to them, and also the fact that you got Parnell Motley going up in practice against one of the best wide receivers in the country and some of the other, uh, some other really talented wide receivers as well, and guys like, I don't know, Jaden Hazelwood, who's pretty darn good. You can throw Lee Morris in there, who I know he's been pretty quiet this year, and even a guy like Nick Basquin is pretty solid too, and Grant Calcaterra, how many times, who knows how much they match up in practice. But throw all that in, and it makes a lot of sense why a guy like Parnell Motley is playing so well. So what do you think about that? Man, I, was, I just got to tell you, I was on Parnell Motley back in 2017. I was the first one. I was <laughs> Congratula- congratulations. No, I, I I think it's great. I we we we've, we've I feel like we've talked a lot about Parnell Motley. He's been he's been awesome this year, and uh, I mean part of a group of corners that has been really really good. Um, I'm just excited to see kind of where they go from here, and because uh, I I just I don't remember Motley really. Did he even give up anything against Texas Tech? Like I, uh, no. I just I can it, recall. It became such a such a consistent theme over the last two years, seeing Parnell Motley with a with a receiver with a football in his hands and the touch you know in the end zone behind him, him just kind of throwing up his hands saying you know what happened, and this year he's been great. I mean by this time the last two years he had already collapsed right. Sounds about right. Well, yeah, I mean, he's okay, just been incredibly inconsistent. I I, collapse that, is not right. That's but that's not fair. Yeah, that's ups not fair. And downs. I mean, he'll play really well, but then he'll give you some bad plays. And and the key to this year is going to be: can they continue to stop the run and not give up big run plays while not relying on guys like Parno Motley to come up and make tackles in the run game? Because if he is just straight up tasked with listen, you take away whoever's across from you, you. You're playing the pass, and you know worst case scenario, you got to come play the run. If you definitely have read the play right, and you got to come up and make the play, but don't get beat, don't get fooled by a play action. Like you're on that guy. So the key will be for Oklahoma to be able to contain the run without uh, asking Parnell Motley to to also be a guy to come up and help all the time in the run game. Granted, I know you want your corners to be able to help in the run game. The best corners do that, but the way Oklahoma's played defensive back, especially corner recently, if they can just play good pass defense and we can just ask them to do that, I'm happy with that. I'm good with that because I've always thought, the past defense has been so bad. I've always thought Motley getting off blocks and taking down running backs has been one of the stronger parts of his game. It always has, I thought. He's, I, I, he's, I've he's always okay felt like, He's good. He's just he's a little yeah. undersized. It, yeah, of, of course he is, yeah. and, and um, They've been playing a lot more man, valuable. too, so I like mean, he has I, his back. I think that's something that Motley can do, and I, they are going to need help, Lee, on the edge. I mean, that's what Texas Tech did pretty I mean, not all game on Saturday, but they had a lot of success beating OU to the edge there, and that's where the corners need to be good. So Parnell Motley playing some some good football. Uh, let's see. And also Jaden Davis, too. He He's shown the ability to come up. We saw him make that nice play on the reverse against Texas Tech. He can come up and tackle as well. He's not afraid, and he's also covered well, too. So, uh, And you even saw Trey Brown. He tackled a lot better against Texas Tech. That was one of the things he wanted to work on 
uh, after the bye or during the bye. And, and so, I mean, all three of those corners that are getting a lot of snaps, Grant, are, are playing really well. And it seems like right now the only, uh, the only part of the field where Oklahoma is kind of susceptible to the pass game is up the seams and side to side, not necessarily on the outside, which is something we haven't seen since I've been in Oklahoma City working for News 9, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and it actually it does it does kind of feel like when they are giving up chunk plays in the passing game, which isn't which isn't particularly often at all, it is just kind of over the middle of the field where the safeties are or just kind of on those swing passes on on out onto the edge. So, um, you know, once we get into the Kansas talk, it'll be I think that's going to be one of the areas to look for uh, because that's pretty much the only that's the only area of the field Kansas has had success throwing the ball is, is over the middle. So, um, you know, that'll be something to watch for sure. And I have one more piece of audio to play as we close out the stuff Alex Grinch says that make us all very happy segment. The nickel spot. And Grinch mentioned on Monday that, you know, he tried Robert Barnes there for the first time. And, of course, Trajan Bridges played there. And they're just still working on the depth there at nickel. Uh, he mentioned Alex Grinch did that Trajan Bridges was still working with the defense. That was on Monday. And that's when we talked to Alex Grinch. So as far as Monday goes, Bridges is still doing defensive stuff. So I don't see a, a scenario why he would be not at defense anymore. And so I wanted to ask Alex Grinch about Trajan Bridges and – well, here it is. I was asked about Trajan, too. How valuable is it now to have some real in-game snaps on camera, on tape for him to kind of go back and watch and review? Well, I, I think it's good. I mean, I, you know, I think he, the, the, the equipment coverage where he kind of lost his eyes and, and kind of grabbed a wide receiver, and um, he's been on the other side of that a lot. So um, in any event, uh, um, but learning moment and an aggressive play stripping it, the ball kind of gets a face mask. So you kind of, you know, you feel for him, for, especially with the second one because it's not intent, you know. Um, but... Um, like I told him, I said, I don't know if there's another defense coordinator in the country put a guy in after two weeks, you know. So um, credit to him, um, but but also our willingness to, to, to you know, see, see an athlete and a guy working his tail off and then uh, trying to get him in the game. And so, uh, no, it's, it's uh, like, like I keep saying, it's, it's an ongoing deal. And we kind of look at what's best for him, what's best for us, and uh, kind of make decisions as we go. Yeah, I mean, this is just more evidence, I think, to me that, I mean, they want to make this work badly with Trajan Bridges at nickel I mean I know Alex Grinch was kind of joking about that but it's it's probably true I mean uh, can you imagine any other team especially a team of Oklahoma's caliber just like throwing this guy in here that's not played the position at all and like getting them meaningful snaps in games that uh, you know with uh, the intent of we want this to work and that's my words not theirs because they're not saying that yet but uh, I, I just I still find this situation incredibly intriguing and and honestly very fun I mean, does it does that suggest that they're serious about thinking they can win a national championship, right? Like, oh, doesn't does, doesn't this sort of I don't want to say it reeks of desperation, but it almost it 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 seems like ah we got to find something there because they feel like maybe that's their downfall, that's their missing piece. Certainly so, seems that way. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean. So sometimes I mean, you like to look for evidence then, of of what the coaches are doing just to kind of get behind their you know behind their brains what they're thinking, and I don't know yeah I mean this is just this is this is an interesting deal I'm I'm definitely curious to see where it goes. All right, let's move on to previewing OU at Kansas this Saturday 11 a.m. kick. 
Let's talk about the offense, Grant. Kansas's offense averaging 353 yards per game. That's 106th in the nation. Although I will say, on a yards per play basis, not bad at all. They're in the middle of the country. I mean, they're averaging six yards per play, which I would imagine this time of the year, that's that's a lot more than Kansas is usually average per play. I mean, that's that's better so far this year than TCU, Texas Tech, and West Virginia in the Big 12. So on a yards per play basis, they're doing pretty well, probably because a lot of it's coming from that Boston College game where uh, T, I think K, uh, KU averaged almost eight yards per play against BC back in uh, early to mid-September. Yeah, Lee, uh, this, the is pa- the, this is the yeah. same team that scored seven points against Coastal Carolina. Okay, well, when was that? Was that their opener? Uh, I think that was week two. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I Yeah, they beat like Indiana State week one, I think. Well, Coastal Carolina is a D1 team now, right? So... That, uh, that wasn't an FCS school as far as I know. But uh, here's, the, here's the deal. KU's pass offense, not very good. It's in the hundreds. Uh, they're better at running the football. 164 yards per game on the ground. Uh, the problem is, though, is one of their best running backs, Khalil Herbert, he's not playing anymore, Grant. Uh, officially announced Wednesday, Les Miles announced that he left the program. And I haven't uh, confirmed this, but it looks like, what is he going to do, try to just transfer it, it would seem that is that what the reports are saying he's going to do the yeah try, maybe try to red shirt and get out of here seems like yeah he's just not particularly happy there i it didn't not a ton of detail on a lot of the and a lot of the yeah. stuff i read and khalil herbert if he's a name that you're thinking what do you mean i thought puka williams was the running back of kansas like well yeah puka williams he's still there uh he's the only really he's the the one threat now on kansas's offense uh, Williams is only averaging 4.6 yards per carry this year. Only has two total touchdowns. Herbert actually had more yards than him, or has more yards than him, and uh, he smoked Boston College a couple weeks ago in that random win. And, and Herbert even did something against Oklahoma last year. He had 15 carries for 64 yards and a couple of touchdowns in Norman a season ago. So, and and I had totally forgotten that there was another guy that had scored touchdowns against Oklahoma because I thought Puka Williams just had all of them last year, Grant. But uh, interesting situation here where Kansas's bread and butter is running the football but one of their best backs is gone he missed the TCU game last week and man Kansas could not run the football at all last week against TCU the Horn Frogs shut down Puka Williams Grant just eight carries for 12 yards and uh, he did have three catches at the backfield for 33 yards and a touchdown but uh, uh, Kansas's offense true or false Puka Williams is legitimately the one guy that scares you on this offense scare yeah I mean yeah in, in terms of like I'm actually I feel threatened by him yeah they have they, they have a decent receiver uh parchment is, is pretty pretty decent um, yeah he had a good game against Boston College yeah yeah uh but really yeah I mean it's it's Puka Williams. and Puka Williams is really really good I mean I, I I know TCU shut him down that means that TCU probably focused in on him um, but just just watching the Boston College game, God, Puka Williams is like an athletic freak. The guy moves so smoothly, and he's he's so fast. It's it's crazy. Yeah, but Herbert also, like he was so impressive in that game as as well. I mean, it's a good thing that Oklahoma. Had the, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered because Oklahoma's just a lot better than Kansas, obviously. But uh, I mean, that helps. I mean, I think Herbert not being there for the TCU game, I'm sure factored into TCU just drubbing them I mean it was 38 nothing at halftime I mean I watched that that first half of that game and it was just like my god Kansas how did this Kansas offense score so many points against anybody 
I mean, so I mean, I know TCU was coming off that loss to SMU, and Gary Patterson was going up against Kansas at home, so they wanted to make a statement. But boy, yeah, Kansas's offense against TCU was bad. I will say though, I mean, it's it's different now because Herbert's gone. But weirdly, Grant, I mean, this Kansas offense has been more explosive than both Texas Tech and UCLA this year. They have 25 plays of 25-plus yards. A lot of those came against Boston College. A lot though. came against Boston College. It seemed like every other snap. Um, I mean, that yeah, might like, have been I mean, just like a, I said, a weird outlier. Yeah, they, they've had their moments this year, but they've, they've had more moments of being really bad. I mean, they were... They were they were pretty solid. I mean, they were really good against Boston College. Pretty solid at times, actually, against West Virginia, just by looking at the box score. But and their three other games, I mean, they've been really bad. Struggled to move the ball against an FCS team in their in the season opener. They scored seven points and lost to Coastal Carolina. And then they just had 150 total yards of offense against TCU, and they were down 38 to nothing at halftime. So. Yeah. I I it was I definitely an ugly game, man. and and also I we think that West Virginia is bad anyway. So and also I think there's enough evidence to suggest that Boston College is also bad. So you know give credit to Kansas for you know not not being the worst team on the block anymore in the in the P five. But um, I mean no, I mean this this is still Kansas. They they got a long ways to go to to become respectable. How about their quarterback, Grant? It's Carter Stanley this year. After last year, I believe it was Peyton Bender and Norman. And uh, this is the second time we've seen Carter Stanley because I believe in 2017 when Oklahoma last went to Lawrence, Stanley was the quarterback for Kansas back then. It seems like he's been at Kansas for forever. But um, what are your thoughts on Carter Stanley, the guy that's been in Lawrence seemingly since, I don't know, 2011? You thought Alan Bowman had a water pistol. Jeez. Um, no, I, I, he's, yeah, he's, so So the thing that I notice about Carter Stanley is that he pretty much has to crow hop to throw at 20 yards. And uh, number two, he stares down his number one target throughout the entire play, will never come off of him. Um, there, there were instances in that Boston College game, they schemed open some receivers really well, actually. Um, and he was able to hit him. He's he's an accurate passer. He just doesn't really have a lot of zip behind it. Um, you know, not a guy that I'm I'm too worried about. But hey, I was not worried about Kyle Kempt either. We all know how that how how that uh, turned out. Kyle Kempt or the the Baylor quarterback that's now at Tulsa back in 2017. His name is escaping me. It's a very generic name. We're worried about Z- him as well. Zach uh, Zach Smith. Zach John Zach Smith or Zach Johnson or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, watching that TCU game, and that's, you know, I, I watched kind of an extended highlight of the Boston College game, and I watched fully through the first half of the TCU game last week. That's kind of what I'm basing a lot of my Kansas thoughts on is, I mean, they were clearly trying to run the ball, run the offense through Puka Williams. No surprise there. Kansas went three and out its first two series. TCU was keying on Puka Williams. They knew that Herbert was not playing. And uh, Williams had nowhere to run because Carter Stanley just isn't particularly much of a threat to beat you through the air. And that that uh, played out throughout the rest of the game. And it wasn't until uh, Kansas's fifth drive in the second quarter where they finally started to move the football a little bit. And there was some guy and I, in my notes, I just put Gardner. It must be their their now third string running back uh, that. Yeah. Now that Herbert's gone. 
and I feel like a jerk for not getting the guy's first name, but his last name's Gardner, and he had some nice runs up the middle and catch out of the backfield, but then they missed a field goal, 49 yard field goal. is his first name. Felton? Velton with a V. V-E-L-T-O-N. Oh, Interesting. Velton I've, Gardner. I've never heard that one before. That's a cool name. Yeah. Add him so, to I mean, the list. That, that's a Hall that of Famer. The, <laughs> that was the only time throughout the entire first half where I noticed him. Uh, Kansas didn't take a shot down the field until their fifth drive when they were when they were down. Oh, granted. Actually, I'm sorry. It was it was past their fifth drive. I mean, they didn't take any shots until they were, they were down 35 to nothing. And it was, uh, you know, Stanley going up the seam to Lassiter, who just drops it. And, I mean, it would have been an explosive play. Should have caught it. Uh, but instead, it was a third down play. So, uh, you know, they, TCU was clearly selling out, making Kansas beat them through the air, playing a lot of tight man, taking away screens, design screens that Kansas was trying to, you know, run orbit motions around with Puka Williams and stuff to kind of get Kansas's or I'm sorry, TCU's eye discipline kind of in conflict. Didn't work. Gary Patterson's defense just was too aggressive and just shut them down to build up a 38 nothing halftime lead. Uh, it just it was not a good game, as you expect from Kansas's offense in that one. And, and Carter Stanley was not particularly impressive in the game. A lot more impressive in that Boston College game where, yeah, where they were scheming open guys and kind of running fake fake bubble screens and and having the receivers block and then release kind of like some of the principles Oklahoma has in their passing game every once in a while and they were getting wide open throws for Carter Stanley against that Boston College secondary that must be pretty terrible what else do you want to talk about when it comes to Kansas offense Ooh, another thing that I noticed Lee in the Boston College game was some plays that kind of take a bit to a bit of time to develop as in plays that you know it wasn't just bang bang getting the ball out of Carter Stanley's hands I like seeing that quite a bit because that makes me hope that they can they, they can get to him a little bit. Although, I, I mean, I, I assume they're probably going to have a game plan to get the ball out of his hands quickly. But, um, man, it would be cool to see uh, to play a, you know, play a team for once that just <laughs> that doesn't just get rid of the ball. Yeah, I mean, they were trying to call quick pass plays for Stanley against TCU because it was the same thing. TCU's front was getting up after him. And it's just they couldn't do anything, man. I mean, they could not do anything and. And I don't know how TCU's defense compares to Oklahoma's defense this year. Obviously, over over the years, it's not even a competition. TCU's always way better than Oklahoma. I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that Oklahoma's defense has similar success against this Kansas offense because, boy, TCU made it look pretty darn easy in that first half. Yeah, TCU had seven tackles for loss and two sacks. Um, I don't think Kansas really ran a lot of plays in that game, though. I think they had, I think they only had like forty five snaps or something. All right. Let's go over to the Kansas defense. And I was talking to you off the air a little bit. I kind of feel bad for Kansas's defense because it seems like they have a couple guys that are decent. Uh, safety Mike Lee is a guy that stands out to me. Another linebacker they have, his name is Kyron Johnson against TCU. Made They each made a nice play against TCU. Uh, I saw Mike Lee do some nice things against Boston College as well. Mike Lee was the guy who stood out to me the most on their defense. Yeah, he's a, he's a safety again, to, just to repeat myself. And I mean, they're they want to play aggressive at Kansas. It seems like they play up, their corners play that aggressive coverage. Kind of sometimes look like Oklahoma's cornerbacks right now, but they're just, they're just not as good. I mean, there was a play in the TCU game where, where Max Duggan – is it Max Duggan, the quarterback for TCU? Is it first name Max? Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah. He uh, he threw a deep 49-yard shot to uh, to the receiver for TCU, Hunt, and just, just man-to-man press coverage. You know, we see it all the time like Parnell Motley likes to do and Trey Brown likes to do right now with Oklahoma. But the problem was that the corner didn't get a jam on the on the receiver, and he 
it was easily beat the cornerback by a step and a half and and it was a big play and that led to a touchdown on the drive and it made it 35 nothing in the second quarter and it was a play where I came away thinking like you know what I if Oklahoma does that against you know if they're going against TCU I just Pardell Motley hasn't had that happen to him all year and in a way neither has Trey Brown and neither has Jaden Davis so I kind of feel like it's like Kansas wants to play aggressive they want to take things away but they just don't have the talent to do it and it's going to be a long day I mean Oklahoma is going to just like every time against Kansas they should be able to do whatever they want the question is what does Kansas try to take away does Kansas try to sell out against the run does Kansas try to play the pass kind of play maybe a cloud coverage keep everything in front of them and, and try to just not give up the explosive plays but then just die by you know a thousand cuts you know I, I don't know what they're going to want to do it's it's not going to matter uh, this defense just it's Kansas defense Grant do you see anything from this defense that is interesting to you I mean I'm sure they're going to attack the the counterplay you know pretty aggressively and they're they're going to get some tackles for loss they're going to they're going to get them down behind the line of scrimmage every now and then um but no I I mean I I just Mike Lee is a good player back there in the secondary but I I really don't see this defense posing a threat at all I mean I I think Texas Tech's defense is better this, I mean, definitely better in the front seven. Yeah, I agree. I didn't find it interesting to uh, find out. I didn't know this last year because I'm pretty sure he was on the team last year. But uh, there's another Deneen on Kansas. Remember Joe Deneen, that linebacker that had like a yeah. bajillion tackles? Yeah, his brother's on the team named Jay Deneen. I think he was on the team last year too. But, okay, yeah, so last year he was a – a redshirt freshman saw just like special teams act. So he's actually like playing this year in 2019. So, hey, you know, if, if there's a long line of Deneens at Kansas. Just a random note that I that I, uh, I found. Oh, and you mentioned the GT counter that you think Kansas might try to attack that or try to snuff that out. I noticed, Grant, uh, TCU, their offense. It's uh, what Sonny Cumbies, their what, co-offensive coordinator. And is, yeah. he, is he the full-time offensive coordinator? I'm not sure. Yeah, he is. But uh, – but TCU has basically just jacked that play from Oklahoma. TCU uh, runs the GT counter. Auburn was running it last weekend, too. Were they? It's not surprising. It's kind of the, the play that's taken football by storm. I mean, I saw twice. You know, TCU kind of ran a little little back orbit motion to kind of keep get the play going one way, but then they'd pull the, the guard and tackle the other way, and on both times they got chunk yardage against Kansas's defense. So... Uh, it worked for TCU. I can imagine it'll probably work as well for Oklahoma against this Kansas defense. All right, Grant. Time for the part of the show where we talk about what we want to see have happen when Oklahoma plays at Kansas and then what will happen, which, of course, always includes our score prediction and our picks. I'll let you start us off here, Grant. Besides Oklahoma obviously winning against Kansas, what do you want to see Saturday in Lawrence? I want to see the offense continue to roll, especially on the offensive line. Um, Adrian Ely is out. They still looked pretty good last Saturday against Texas Tech. I really want to see them rounding into form going uh, going into the uh, the Red River shootout next weekend. Uh, I just think it's important. Um, another solid game from Jalen Hurts. This is another defense where he should really be able to do whatever he wants. Uh, I am curious as to what Kansas is going to do with C.D. Lamb. Texas Tech was really the first team that didn't play some sort of you know blanket coverage over CD, and he certainly made them pay. So I I, I want to see what Kansas does in that regard, and if they are going to just man them up, then go to CD all day long because why not? 
And then obviously on the defensive side of the ball, I alluded it or I alluded uh, to it in my in my opening take. But I want to see the defense dominate. This is a Kansas offense I'm not particularly impressed with, especially in the trenches. They are not particularly good up front. Um, Puka Williams obviously is a really good player. Um, I would come in with a game plan heavily tailored to stopping him and maybe playing some man coverage on the outside, um, free up uh, you know the safeties and whatnot, maybe to cheat up into the box and help in the run game and whatnot. Um, Lee, I, I would really like to see them hold this this Kansas offense under 300 yards of offense. Um, I want I want double digit tackles for loss, and I'd I'd really like to see them get to Carter Stanley on a consistent basis. Um, the improvement is there; we can see it on tape with the front seven. We know how disruptive they've been. The stats just don't bear that out quite yet. But I think if you keep if you keep hammering at it, if you keep getting better, if you keep proving that you can be disruptive disruptive like that, the stats will come. That's what I want to see. I mean, I want to see all that stuff too. Also, I'll, I'll just kind of add on to a couple of things. We'll start defensively. One, I want to continue to see Trajan Bridges get snaps and get comfortable back there and get some reps. I'd like for him to look a lot more comfortable than he did against Texas Tech, uh, meaning let's not get called for a couple penalties. Will he be at the sp- the, the point where he's a player that they're actually going to put in the game against a Texas a week from now or a week and a half from now, you know, obviously too early to tell that, but I think we'll get an idea if he keeps playing against Kansas and he looks somewhat okay, then yeah, that'll be an opportunity or it'll, it'll be on the table maybe to see him against Texas. So I want to see more of Trajan Bridges and just, I want to see more of that nickel rotation. Does Alex Grinch continue to put Robert Barnes in there to see what he can do? Brendan Radley Hiles, will he can, Will he improve? Will he be able to tackle? So keep an eye out on the nickel position. I want to see that. I want to see how the safeties, particularly Delarian Turner-Yell and Patrick Fields, because they're the two guys that play for the most part. I know you throw Justin Burrells in there. He gets some snaps here and there. I want to see how the safeties cover up the seam because Texas Tech hit a couple of shots up the seam against Boston College. Kansas schemed open some plays over the middle, down the seams to their big tight end. You saw some some posts, some corner routes that that got safety's attention and opened up, flashed tight ends wide open over the field. Uh, and also, too, you saw Boston College playing a lot of uh, playing a lot of cushion, giving Kansas's receivers a lot of a lot of space to operate. And Carter Stanley just took it a lot. We know Oklahoma is not going to give a lot of cushion on the outsides anymore. They play up, but they do give a lot of cushion in the slot. And on those inside receivers and we'll see Kansas probably try to just take what Oklahoma gives them so we'll see if they try to move up and maybe play a little less cushion in the slot on those out uh, those, those middle you know those two and three receivers as opposed to the outside receivers so I want to see the safeties play a lot better so that's defensively and and, and you mentioned all the tackles for loss you want to see the the front play better obviously offensively uh, I'm curious to see if Adrian Ely plays we talked about I don't think he will but that's just my guess and I'm curious to see if Kennedy Brooks plays I I don't know if I want to see him play it's one of those things where if he doesn't play you'll think oh no maybe he is injured this could be bad going into Texas or if he doesn't play you think okay maybe they're just resting him up giving him an extra week because Texas is obviously very important game and maybe he's a little nicked up from that that cheap shot he took so I'm curious to see what happens with Kennedy Brooks I kind of don't want him to play because, I mean, unless he's 100% healthy. If he's 100% healthy, obviously, play, fine. 
Uh, but if he is a little nicked up or banged up some way, I, I'd like for him to take the, the week off and get healthy for Texas. Well, I mean, Riley did say that he could have come back and played on Saturday. Yeah. So Yeah, I know. He's, Riley said all the right things. I know that. But uh, but just, also, oh my gosh. It, I it just, did not I, look very good. And, and, the, and just in the last split second, I just convinced myself that I, we can't trust anything that he says. <laughs> he also said last week to the, the small media scrum on Wednesday that the Trajan Bridges playing, uh, playing, you know, playing in the secondary was more of a story outside than it was inside the the walls. And he was, and Trajan Bridges was with the the secondary players and played defense on Saturday. So. Holy crap! Conspiracy theory hour again. What if he's lying about Kennedy Brooks? Uh, I stop it. I'm gonna get me in trouble for. Putting it's these fun. It's fun. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens with Kennedy Brooks. Um, also offensively special teams. I had this out as one of my things last week. What happens with the kicking spot? We saw Gabe Burkich do really well. Lincoln Riley mentioned that the kicking job is always kind of open. He declined to really go into specifics to what's going to go on with Callum Sutherland and Gabe Burkich this weekend. So I think we'll learn a lot. Is Gabe Burkich going to continue to do handle the kicking duties? I don't, I don't know why he wouldn't. I think he earned himself more playing time and will Callum Sutherland continue to not play because uh he potentially might have got his job taken for a poor off the field decision and that's just kind of what it looks like from the outside so keep an eye on the kicking game and the last thing that I want to see and you can say this during this segment every time but no injuries because I looked at the weather yet again before we we started talking and there still is projected thunderstorm Saturday likely in the morning according to the weather channel and so you know slippery weird surface like no weird injuries I, I don't want to see that happen there in Lawrence that's what I want to see well I mean on on that note I do want to add this what something I don't want to see I really hope it doesn't turn into one of those games that has like five different lightning delays and stuff oh, god that would be gosh. awful that's yeah, so that, like ugh. that's so stupid I, that's one of the dumbest things ever that 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 happens so I agree um, all right Grant so you went first with what you want so I'll go first and what will happen well number one Oklahoma is going to beat Kansas we all know that the Sooners are favored right now the last I checked on ESPN I thought it was higher than this it has it gone down I saw 32 that's it Oklahoma is only a 32 favorite does that sound right to you Grant a yeah I mean I thought it favorite I thought it opened at 35 and a half that sounds right, yeah. So let me let me just double check one more time on ESPN because we use ESPN.com. I know it's not the the go to gambling website for lines, but it's just easily available on their page, and it still is Oklahoma by thirty two. And yeah, so that means that some money has come in on Kansas plus all those points. And I don't know if that's weather. Maybe there's some sharps that think that Oklahoma is not going to be motivated to get margin in this game. Therefore. Uh, 35 yeah well, we'll classic look ahead there. spot that's what classic people are thinking I bet. so i mean oklahoma if you like oklahoma the number's better now at 32 okay so we'll i'll get to this at the end so what will happen oklahoma's going to win a lot by a lot of points the question is will they cover i i think oklahoma's going to come out and we're going to see what they have done the last four games i think they're going to start fast because this is an offense that's going to be incredibly limited without khalil herbert Puka Williams is the one guy, and I know Parchment, the receiver, is okay, and they have like another a decent receiver. I think Lassiter might be his name, but uh, the way Oklahoma's been playing in the secondary, they're taking away outside players. So 
who is going to scare Oklahoma or challenge Oklahoma with the exception of Puka Williams? And, and I don't know the answer to that. They're going to force Carter Stanley to beat them through the air. And if Oklahoma does give that cushion on the slot type receivers and, and the H backs, things like things like that, Stanley will be able to get rid of the football quickly with some screens, things like that. But you're going to see Oklahoma play up, play some man, do a lot what TCU did to take away those kind of bubble screens, things like that, those easy throws from Carter Stanley, because Kansas knows that Oklahoma's defensive lines and I want to get after them and get tackles for loss. So I think Oklahoma's defense is going to come out, play really well from the start. The offense will continue to roll, play very well. The one concern I have is just the weather. I don't know what to expect with, with rain potentially, some bad weather. That's that's a weird factor in. I really wish that wasn't a problem because if, if that wasn't an issue and the weather was going to be fine, I'd have no problem picking Oklahoma and saying Oklahoma's going to win this game something like 56-7. to seven. I'll give Kansas a touchdown. But throw the weather in there, that's a weird factor. But also, it, it could benefit the better team because Oklahoma's better and, and Oklahoma, uh, Kansas is not very good. So sloppy conditions, they're not as good. That, that could also hurt Kansas. So I think Oklahoma's going to win this game going away at 32 points right now. That's, uh, you know, that's better, obviously, than the opening number. Think about it. Oklahoma was only laying 27 to Tech. Kansas is worse than Tech. I get it that it's at Kansas, but there's no home field advantage for Kansas. I got to just lay five more points for Oklahoma, and I know it's a look-ahead spot, but I said it before. I think Oklahoma has a lot of motivation defensively to shut down this Kansas team because of what happened last year in Norman because of all the points Kansas was able to score and how Puka Williams ran wild. New defensive coordinator preaching to these guys that they got to get better every single week. And you brought this up last podcast, Grant. Oklahoma has been better every single week. There's improvement we're seeing on the defensive side of the football, throwing the fact that we learned this week that Alex Grinch sends text messages to the guys every single morning, reminds them of the pregame message of the, of the week. Uh, then he also sends text messages to the guys and every single coach before they go to bed at night. And this is a guy that is just constantly drilling into his players, you know, what they need to do and that this is a uh, a team and a culture that needs to change and Alex Grinch is on top of it he said motivation happens Saturday morning inspiration though takes place Monday through Friday this team is going to be inspired and motivated to beat the crap out of Kansas so I'm going to go with that final score I'm gonna say Oklahoma wins this game 56 to 7 and you know, Puka Williams will give him a will give him a touchdown because he's incredibly talented. He'll, maybe he'll break one or, or break off something, and we'll all be kind of like, ah, man, that sucks. But overall, I say Oklahoma wins by blowout fashion and covers a thirty-two point spread. Grant, what do you say? Wow, fifty-six to say. You think they're going to win by forty-nine, huh? Yes, that'd be pretty neat. That'd be pretty neat. Um. You know, I, I, I share your optimism. I, I'm not sure if it's going to be that much of a destruction. Um, but you know, I, I do think they're going to cover, I'll throw a, I'll throw a score out there. I think they're going to win 59 to 17. What do you think about that? I think that sounds pretty familiar or pretty similar to the, the Texas tech score that we just saw pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I just think, uh, I think Puka Williams is likely to break off a few big runs, uh, just the nature of OU's defense. I think he, he's probably going to be able to find some creases because of over aggressiveness, um, and that's okay. This is what we, th- this is what we are willing to give up from time to time to have this type of aggressive defense. And Puka Williams is a player. Guy's going to play in the league. Yeah, he's really good. 
yeah, mark this down. This could be the the time when I I really kind of went all in with the Oklahoma defense, thinking that yeah, it's pretty good. It's a lot better. They should shut down a team like like uh, Kansas. Let's see. I mean, you look back. TCU shut out Kansas in the first half. Ended up giving up fourteen. So you know, two second half touchdowns. Is it a bit ambitious now that I think about it to predict that Oklahoma is going to give up fewer points than TCU did when TCU had Kansas at home coming off of a loss? Yeah, it's pretty ambitious, but uh, it's too late now. I got to stick with it. Oklahoma 56-7, but we both pick them to cover. You say 59-17? Yeah. All right. I love it. Let's move on to the rest of the show. We talk about the Big 12, and then we'll give give out our picks. Let's try to get this done, Grant, in about 10 minutes. So the Big 12, we're going to pick this game. Uh, the, the, I say the next, uh, you know, there's not that many big games in the Big 12, Graham. you got Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. We're going to pick this game. So we'll save that for, for a little bit. I mean, this one's pretty interesting, though. TCU at Iowa State. TCU coming off the win over Kansas. Iowa State coming off a loss to Baylor. And, boy, I, I still haven't seen Iowa State play that much this year, Grant. But, um disappointed in these results from Iowa State I thought the offense would be better and um, clearly Brock Purdy is not I I don't know I guess I shouldn't I haven't seen him play a whole lot I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the Iowa game so I I don't know what's going on with Iowa State yet haven't had a chance to deep dive into them but I've been disappointed in them so far what do you have any thoughts on Iowa State or TCU I mean even even the last couple years when Iowa State's been you know a really good team the weakness on their offense has been their offensive line, and it, it still is. They they still just can't block anybody consistently. Um, so they're I mean they're going to have to get better at that position, but they've been waiting to get better at that position for the last three years now, and it just really hasn't happened. So I I like Purdy. I I think he's a good player, but um, you know I I absolutely underrated them losing David Montgomery and and uh, and uh, Hakeem Butler. I. I I really underrated that. They, I, I think they really miss those guys a ton right now. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I two weeks ago I already gave my Maya Copeland. I mean, that, on, on Iowa State, that was incorrect. I mean, that's they're, they're not the second-best team in the conference. I, I'm not even sure they're better than TCU. Yes, we'll find out this week. Iowa State a three-and-a-half-point home favorite over TCU. Uh, you know, Iowa State, they're the ones coming off a loss this time, and, and TCU coming off a – an easy win over Kansas, but uh, it'll be max motivation, you think, on both sides there. You know, you got Texas. I mean, this line grant is surprising to me, I got to tell you. I mean, I thought, you know, don't we think West Virginia is not good? West Virginia coming off of a bye, so they've had extra time to prepare, so that factors in, I'm sure. But Texas is only laying 10 and a half uh, on the road. I mean, it's double digits on the road. I know it's, it's a conference game, but uh, again, I thought West Virginia was supposed to be bad. You'd think this would be at least maybe a two-touchdown spread, but it's it's right up there. I mean, it's Texas can win by, you know, a touchdown and a field goal, or I suppose touchdown and two field goals, and you're good. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird number, but I, I'm just kind of surprised that this number was this low. Were you? Yeah, I, I like Texas quite a bit on this one at 10.5. I mean, that's uh, – West Virginia is not good. I, I just – I think – Two really interesting lines this week in the Big 12. You got you got Texas and Oklahoma State, who I think are the second and third best teams in the Big 12, going on the road playing who I think are probably the ninth and eighth best teams in the Big 12, and they're only uh, they're only ten point favorites, both of them. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, and then the other game is 
a pretty interesting one as well. Baylor at Kansas State. Kansas State's a one-and-a-half-point home favorite and haven't had a chance to go back and watch Oklahoma State, Kansas State very closely, but uh, based on the score and, and how Oklahoma State's defense must have handled Kansas State pretty well, I mean, maybe the Wildcats aren't aren't as good as maybe we thought they were a week ago, Grant. Did you have a chance to see much of the, the K-State game? I, I didn't, watch, Plus, I didn't so. watch much of it, no, but I, this yeah. is, I, I like K-State quite a bit at that number right now. Coming um, off the first loss of climbing, Baylor, big win over Iowa State, going on the road now as a, yeah, I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, really like, I really like Kansas State in this game. You know, Baylor's defense might be okay. I know Iowa State's offense isn't great, but, I mean, Baylor only given up, you know, what, 21 to Iowa State, and I think Baylor's been kind of holding teams uh, not that many points. So, I mean, that's that's an interesting game. Yeah, I will, uh, you know, one thing I will say is that uh, the little I did see of that Baylor-Iowa State game, uh, James Lynch looks like a potential conference player of the year on the defensive line for Baylor. Um, I mean, he's he's very impactful. So I mean I, that's that's going to be an interesting test later in the season seeing him go go up against OU's offensive line. He looks he looks really good. All right, let's end it with our our picks against the spread. We always do five games, and we always have to recap. Last week, Grant, you and I were the same. We were three and two last week, and for the season, you are thirteen eleven and one. I am twelve twelve and one. So I mean we're. You and I, we're pretty consistent. We're consistently right around 500. We're not winning any money. We're not really losing any money. And a lot of these picks we're making on Wednesday nights when we do this podcast are, are before we kind of really do a lot of our research. And sometimes that's a good thing <laughs> because there's been at least three or four times this year where I've done some extra research and sw- switched my pick for the weekend and you know for different games that we play, and, and it's been wrong. So... This is another situation where a lot of these are going to be kind of based on what I know and, and not a lot of research. Not a lot of good games this week, by the way, Grant. Is that what you thought as well, or am I crazy? Yeah, we've had uh, – I feel like we've had – this is the third straight week where we haven't had a lot of great games. I know we had that week where it was uh, where it was Notre Dame and Georgia, but, you know, I mean, that was really yeah. the only marquee game that week, and that game was kind of an ugly watch anyway, so – and there wasn't any good games that day, it turned out, until the evening time. All the day games ended up being kind of duds that uh, that particular day. So I, I didn't even want to put this game on the list, but I kind of had to because it technically was two ranked teams, even though I think number 19 Michigan should not be ranked. They should be out of the top 25. But this is number 14 Iowa at Michigan. Michigan laying three and a half, uh, coming off a, a blowout win over over who? I don't even remember who Rutgers. Michigan beat went over Rutgers. So you got three and a hook, Michigan. Uh, yeah, I I hate the Big Ten, hate it, and I hate both of these teams. I, Iowa's offense is always bad. Michigan's offense is terrible this year. I don't care they scored whatever bunch of fifty whatever against Rutgers. I I don't know, man. I, I can't take Michigan has scarred me. They've destroyed. I mean, what a horrible pick for the playoff in our big preseason pod terrible pick uh you know they've already lost their game they got their wake-up call their offense had a, had a big game their defense might be better but it was Rutgers and I was a much better team than Rutgers I would imagine so you know what I'm gonna take the three and a half with Iowa just because I don't like Michigan and it's a purely emotional pick and full disclosure if I have to pick this game in the weekend I might change my mind if I learn more information but right now I'm taking Iowa plus a three and a half what about you 
I'm not taking Michigan. I, I'm not. So I, I can't remember if I said on this podcast, but I a couple weeks ago, like five minutes before kickoff, I switched my pick to Michigan when they played Wisconsin. And then of course I just I felt stupid after after the very first drive of the game. And uh so I'm 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 actually gonna go slightly emotional here. I'm not I'm not taking Michigan. I'm just not gonna freaking do it. So, so Iowa. This is Iowa or pass, basically. Basically, yeah. It's just uh and also, Iowa's defense has been really good this year, and Michigan has really struggled to move the ball. So I, I like Iowa. Let's see. Iowa's last game was against Middle Tennessee, which was last week. And Middle Tennessee is a team that Michigan has also already played. They have a common opponent. How about that? I, yeah, uh, yeah. The Michigan opened with Middle Tennessee, and uh, let's see. Michigan allowed twenty-one. I know this is. You're comparing games, you're comparing results, but Michigan allowed 21, while Iowa allowed just a field goal to Middle Tennessee, and Iowa was able to put up a bunch of points on Middle Tennessee too. So, you know, I was one of those weird teams where, I, you know, Nathan Stan- is it Nathan Stanley or Nate Stanley? I don't think he's particularly that good, but he has a lot of experience, and it seems like the experience has made him okay. So, yeah, I'm going to take the three and a half with Iowa, so we're both on Iowa. Let's go to that Big 12 game, OSU laying 10, on the road at Texas Tech. And let's see, Jet Duffy is officially the starting quarterback for Texas Tech. No surprise there. Oklahoma State coming off a nice win at home over Kansas State. They've already had that loss to Texas where they played Texas pretty well. Ten points. Ten points laying on the road, Oklahoma State. You know what, Grant? I gotta, I'm going to lean... I'm going to lean Oklahoma State minus the ten because... They got a little extra motivation because Tech came into Stillwater last year and kind of beat the beat the crap out of Oklahoma State, uh, and and now I mean Alan Bowman's right. out there. It's Jet yeah. Duffy, so I think there's going to be some extra motivation for the Cowboys. I lean only because I mean Matt Wells just got his doors beaten off by Oklahoma. You know, man, actually I kind of actually I'm starting to talk myself. I kind of like Oklahoma State now. I talk, you know, I like OSU minus the ten. I I changed my mind. I'm going to go. I'm going to give that a straight like. OSU minus the 10. What do you think? This is one of those uh this is one of those lines where I look at it and I'm like, "Oh. I mean, Oklahoma State all day." But I've kind of trained myself to, you know, to stop when I think like that and and try to kind of parse through it a little bit cuz uh this line seems a little too good to be true, which makes me think there's some funny business going on. And it's a line designed for you to just throw a ton of money at Oklahoma State. Yeah, you're right. You're right. In Texas Tech, I mean, they got embarrassed last week. They're back home. This is an and, 11 a.m. kick, though. And we do think Texas Tech might have team, a decent I defense. I think a lot of yeah. I, I think Vegas here is probably you know is probably hoping on some sort of market overreaction to you know Tech losing by 40 last week to OU. Yeah, and OSU, I mean, didn't put up a bunch of points at home against K State, who's had a pretty good defense too. So, and so here's here's the deal. I mean, yeah. this th- I think this is a game that we have to pick for real in our little pool thing, Lee. Um, I- I'm not picking this game. Th- this is a game I'm staying away from because that that line scares me. Well, on the podcast, you got to pick it though. I lean Texas Tech. All right, so for you, it's Tech or pass. Yeah, and I don't. Like I, based off what we've seen so far, I don't really have any sort of actual rationale from it, except just from a gambling perspective. This just seems like a line uh, where I think the sharps are going to be on Texas Tech. 
I uh, yeah. The more I think about it now, as you're talking, I'm gonna I'm gonna slide back back to the lean. I lean OSU. I don't like them. Very wishy washy right now. How about this uh, this next game? I guess this could be the game of the week, depending on how this other game goes after this one. And but, borderline uh, unwatchable. <laughs> yes, yes. Two top ten teams playing. I guess uh, Auburn, who who has had a really impressive start of the year. Don't, Auburn don't take can it be fun to watch sometimes. Uh, Auburn's laying three on the road at Florida, who was a top ten team, but uh, it's kind of whatever. Grant, you know, I made the. Uh, did Florida play last week? Or did, are they coming off a bye? I think they might be coming off a bye. No, I think they played last week. Didn't they blow out? Uh, no, they 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 beat some sort of FCS team last week. I think. Okay, yeah, Florida is five and zero. Oh, so yeah, so they beat Towson. They beat Towson. They shut them out. And I was on the record before uh, that Tennessee game that. Florida changing quarterbacks to Kyle, Kyle Trask, Trask was something like they would be really excited about that, and it'd be a huge upgrade because I think Felipe Franks is just a is a really bad player. I'm sorry, like I hope he gets healthy, but he's just not very good. It's been two games now, and they played well. They've won, but they played Tennessee and Towson, two really bad teams. And I think that the new quarterback bump only has a, a small shelf life, so. I'm getting an Auburn team who's been pretty darn battle-tested, and they kind of have a feeling that, yeah, we can win the national title this year. We can actually compete because uh, I shouldn't, uh, national title, they're going to feel like they can compete in the West because they're in the top ten. They're winning a lot of games. I'm going to – man, since they're on – you know what? I don't know enough to like them, but I'm going to lean Auburn minus the three because I think the, the, the new quarterback bump for Florida is going to kind of go away, and I think Auburn just is a, is a much better team than Florida – uh, but I'm I'm gonna lean it just because it's gonna be a pretty low scoring game, so it's pretty valuable. I think getting those points as the home team, so I'm gonna lean Auburn. I lean Auburn, um, just because you know I I think they might they have one of the best defenses in college football. They probably have the best defense in the SEC. Going up against Kyle Trask, who you know still only making his third start for Florida, and also I. I'm starting to come. I really like Bo Nix. He still makes a lot of freshman mistakes, but he has he has composure and he has that moxie that you look for in a quarterback. And he's already gone into a tough environment and won by double digits on the road when he went to Texas A&M. So um, I, I lean Auburn here, and and that's only a lean uh, just because Florida's front seven is is nasty. It's been really good. They're really good at getting getting guys down behind the line of scrimmage. And uh, being at home, a lot of times stuff like that can snowball. And I think Auburn's a better team, but you know it's it's possible that Florida's front seven could could spark some sort of rally or or big win for them. All right, next game. This is a game that I I'm actually kind of excited for. I'm kind of getting giddy thinking about it. Uh, Michigan State at Ohio State, and Ohio State's at home, laying nineteen and a half. And Grant, I, I'm I'm sorry. I you you had a good point last week. You're like how you know you were talking about the Nebraska Ohio State game, and you're saying how many points would we have to go on Ohio State for you to take Nebraska? <laughs> and what did you decide? Something like 28 or something like that, or 28 and a half was the number 28. that yeah we decided on. I I can honestly I think this is the same category, man. I Ohio State is on a mission. I don't know how Michigan State's going to score points in this game. And I know Michigan State's got a good defense, 
but they haven't seen anything as good as Ohio State. I know that the whole thing here is Ohio State has, hasn't seen anybody that great either. But uh, I, I'm going to jump on the Ohio State train until they they tell me to get off. I I like Ohio State. I got, they got to they got to beat Michigan State by three touchdowns. They beat Michigan State last year by 20 in uh, in East Lansing. I think Ohio State's better than they were last year. Certainly better on defense. Maybe in, in some ways better on offense. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I will take Ohio State minus the 19 and a half. What about you? I lean Michigan State. Um, Michigan State has the best defense in the country. Maybe. Um, you know I. Ohio State, I think this is the perfect this is the perfect kind of spot for them to start reading their press clippings. Still a young team. They still really haven't accomplished much going up against what could be the best defense in college football. I think they're going to win, but I think this is going to be the first time they have some hiccups. Justin Fields is what I mean starting his 5th game ever in college or 6th game ever in college. I promise you Michigan State's not the best defense in college football. Okay, I I'm just saying, I mean maybe not but and they, they're just they're fresh off giving up 31 to Indiana. Okay, I'm just saying that the sharps are gonna be heavy on Michigan State in this game. The sharps were also heavy on Nebraska last week. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, this is this is a test for Ohio State's defense. Absolutely, Michigan State plays really good de- really good defense, and they have NFL players in their a front test for Ohio State's offense. Yes, yes. Uh, did I did I mix that up? Sorry. Yeah, but I just I just the key here is I I just I don't know how Michigan State's going to score. I think Ohio State's defense is really good. It's it's improved so much and and they only gave up 6 points last year to Michigan State in a te- in a year when Ohio State's defense wasn't very good. So uh you know, I yeah, I'm I'm going to jump on the Ohio State train knock it off until I I get proved otherwise. Um uh, I think that's I, fair. Well, I mean, like I don't would it shock me if Ohio State won by you know more than nineteen? No, of course not. But I, I think I, I think Michigan State is probably the the wise bet is all. All right, last game, Grant, Pac twelve matchup, seven o'clock kick though on Saturday. Cal is at Oregon, and don't have a very in depth handicap here. It's probably a, a pretty square kind of low level handicap here. But here it is, Oregon, eighteen point favorite at home over Cal, who's got a good defense. I don't think Oregon's good enough to be laying 18 against a team that's solid like Cal. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to I don't like Cal because I don't know much about him, but I'm going to definitely lean Cal plus the 18. What about you? I lean Oregon actually. Um just because, you know, Cal is is going to be playing their backup quarterback, Lee. So, um Oh, really? I didn't know. And that. and Oregon's defense has actually well, that explains been, why it's 18 then. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering why and it was Oregon's so high. defense is actually the strength of their team. So, I mean, they could it, – it's going to be really tough for Cal to move the ball in this game. Um, like, I mean, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me to see Oregon win, like, I don't know, like 28-7 to 7 or something like that. And didn't Oregon – yeah, they had a, they had a pretty low-scoring win, I think, recently where they also covered the spread. Um, Over uh, – yeah, they beat, they beat Stanford 21-7 to 7 when yeah, they were 13-and-a-half-point yeah. favorites. Okay, well – yeah, I didn't know the backup quarterback was in for Cal, so that that explains it a lot. So yeah, yeah he got I, hurt. They're, they're, he got hurt last week and was like, or the their starter got hurt last week, and then the backup came, backup came in against Arizona State and and was terrible. He was really bad. Okay, well, probably won't be touching this game then either. So 
probably don't bet my uh, if you're for betting probably don't take cal because i don't know what i'm talking about all right uh last week you were three and two i was three and two we'll see if we can keep the uh somewhat winning ways going this week grant um any final thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up not really i just i really would like to see an injury free game on saturday go into uh to texas week healthy and uh and excited all right that does it for this edition of west of everest I'll be in Lawrence this weekend. I'll be traveling back probably, geez, Saturday. It's going to be a long day Saturday. Man, it's going to be a tough one, Grand, Sunday morning doing the, the postgame pod because I'm, I'm going to be dragging. But we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get through it. Um, enjoy the game on Saturday. Hopefully there's not a 10-hour lightning delay and we all get through it just fine. Oklahoma, like you said, has no injuries and the Sooners continue to look strong. Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.